Welcome to The Frontline, a podcast for Christian men who are fighting for their marriages, fighting for their children, and pursuing the plans and purposes of God in the everyday, mundane, in and outs of life. Day by day, the battle's raging, lies of the evil one messing with our minds, opposition on every side. But this day we fight, this day we believe, this day we overcome. Despite the war around us, we line up, our shoulders broad, our confidence in God. Today, we stand on the front line. This is the front line. But God demonstrates his own love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5 verse 8. Amen. What a powerful Bible verse that is. Romans 5a. But God demonstrates his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Amen, gentlemen. Aren't you glad for that? There is no better or greater demonstration of love that could ever be shown to anybody than what God has shown to the world by sending Christ to die for our sins. Amen. We just celebrated Valentine's yesterday and some of you may have rented a hotel room with rose petals and a jacuzzi and a nice steak dinner and some chocolates and flowers and just a night out, you know, for a nice walk on the, in, in the town. You might have demonstrated such love to your wife or you might have been given and demonstrated so much love to you, but nothing, nothing, nothing can be greater than the love that God has shown to us in Christ Jesus, that while we were sinners, he died for us. He didn't wait till we got it all right, amen? Because that's impossible. He came and he died while we were sinful people. What love God has shown, what love God has demonstrated. He's proven how much he loves us by sending Jesus to us, amen. I just say thank you, God, for that great love. But it is the day after Valentine's, gentlemen, and hopefully yesterday you were able to show your wives or maybe your wives-to-be some great love yesterday. I know that I bought my wife some beautiful flowers, and I bought her a couple Cadbury Dairy Milk Fruit and Nut Bars. Those are her favorite chocolate bars, and I also bought her a gift card uh, to one of her favorite stores um, to do some shopping in, so... That's what I did. That that was my demonstration of love to my wife yesterday. And hopefully you also showed some love to your wife because she deserves it. Amen. Yes, she does. And it's funny. I note to self, gentlemen, listen to this. My wife, through the year, I've learned, and I'm still learning this, but through the year, if you're out with your wife shopping and she points something out to you, like a, a shirt she likes or or some makeup she likes, or some perfume she likes, you have to write that down. Because then when Valentine's comes, then when her birthday comes, then when Christmas comes, you can pull out that note on your phone and you can remember, wow, my wife likes this and this and this. Because listen, gentlemen, your wife will drop hints to you throughout the year. She's dropping hints to you of things that she likes, things that she would like you to buy 
for her on Valentine's Day or special occasions. And so I am learning. I have to write these things down because I easily forget. I do. And it makes your job and your life way easier if you have a notepad written with all the things that you know she will like. So you're not just buying her something cheap. You're not just buying her the same old, same old thing, you know. You can get her something really special that she that you know she'll like. So there's a little hint. That's for free. Free marriage advice right there. And yesterday we made some for Valentine's we made waffles and bacon, man. You nothing says I love you like here's some waffles and bacon, baby. <laughs> right? For breakfast. And then yesterday afternoon we had three hours of alone time. We got rid of the kids for three hours and we got some Chinese food takeout and brought it home and we were able to watch a movie. A movie that we could enjoy and it was just wonderful having some alone time with my wife on Valentine's Day and also today it's a Monday I'm recording this normally I, I try to record a podcast once a week and normally that lands on a Sunday afternoon where I'm recording today is a Monday afternoon and the reason why I'm not at work and I'm home and I'm able to record is because in Ontario, Canada, today is a holiday called Family Day. And so today is a day that I get a day off of work and I get to get paid to hang out with my family. And so this morning we had another family breakfast, which involved more bacon, which is wonderful. And, I, and my wife and kids, we all went for a nice long uh, walk in a forest, a huge forest by our house here. And this afternoon, after I'm done recording, we're going to play some board games. And my wife is making some lasagna. I can smell the lasagna as I'm talking to you right now. It smells divine. Lasagna. And then we're going to watch Lord of the Rings, at least the first movie, because they're so stinking long. But that's what we're doing here on Family Day in the Noel family here in Ontario. So I'm thankful today that Ontario has a Family Day holiday. And uh, yeah, going to enjoy my family today and get paid for it. It's a win-win. But on today's episode, I want to talk to you, gentlemen, about marriage. And uh, marriage involves, there's lots of things that involve within marriage. There's many, many different topics that can be talked about as men regarding marriage. And that's what I want to do. And the next number of podcasts, I want my focus to be on marriage. And uh, hopefully that you can listen to these uh, episodes and be encouraged for your own marriage. Maybe learn some lessons that I've learned. Um, and just receive some encouragement uh, from me uh, regarding marriage. Uh, many times marriages start, uh, but then they end very quickly in divorce. Uh, many times men will walk out on their wives. They'll end the marriage. They'll leave because they want maybe a younger woman. They want somebody else that they have new feelings for. Or whatever their lame excuse is, they walk out. On their wives this is an unfortunate reality in our life that we live uh, many men unfortunately are unfaithful to their wives many uh, marriages um, end in in some harsh harsh uh, because of harsh circumstances they end in divorce where uh, people's hearts are broken uh, if children are involved in and in, in the marriage in the family um, their lives are impacted negatively, of course. Uh, but we know that, listen, marriage will bring difficulties. It will. Marriage is not just a walk in the park. 
it requires a lot of work. Marriage requires a lot of, listen, forgiveness. Marriage requires forgiveness. There have been times where my wife, I've I've had to ask her to forgive me for stupid stuff that I've done, stupid, selfish things that I've said. Marriage requires forgiveness, gentlemen. Marriage requires work. Marriage requires humility, especially on our end as the man. We want to be humble men within our marriages. Because listen, the reality is marriage is a blessing. Marriage is a gift. Marriage is incredible. It is. In fact, Paul calls marriage a mystery in Ephesians 5. Listen, Ephesians 5, 31 to 32. As the scripture says, Paul says, he's quoting a passage from Genesis 2. A man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two become one. This is a great mystery, Paul says, but it's an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. Paul says marriage is a mystery, and I would say amen. I've been married 18 years with my wife Cindy, and there are so many things that are still a mystery to me. I didn't know you needed me to do that, honey. I didn't know that what I said would even affect you in a, in a hurtful way. I didn't know this. I was not aware of this. Can you relate with me, gentlemen, if you're a married man? And so we're going to talk about marriage the next few episodes. I don't know how many, how many podcasts I'm going to record on marriage. Uh, it might be a lot. It might be a few. I don't know. But this is something that I feel God has put on my heart. And again, I'm not some, you know, marriage expert. I'm not like James Dobson or these these guys, you know, that you'll hear on Focus on the Family. I am just a simple dude in Ontario, Canada, who's who's working my way through marriage because I love God and I love my wife and I want to do marriage right. We hear so often of even Christian men, Christian leaders who are very prominent leaders, they're just failing in their marriages because of sin and selfish choices. You know, they're getting involved with other, you know, relationships outside of their marriage. Maybe they're maybe they're into pornography or they're lusting after other women and, and they're not just keeping their eyes and their hearts and their minds and their thoughts fixed on their wives, right? There's so many reasons why and there's so many things that Satan can bring before a married man to try and distract him from his marriage and his wife where his thoughts become led astray from being only on his wife. And so listen, I'm just a regular guy who is passionate about marriage. I love my marriage with my wife and it's not a perfect marriage, but I am very serious and my wife is very serious in our marriage. It means a lot to us. It's really important. We see the importance of it, the value of marriage. So hopefully you can join me these next few podcasts and learn some things and maybe you can teach me some things. I don't know. <laughs> I'm open to be taught as well because I understand that I've not arrived in my marriage. But my wife and I, we met when we were 19 years old and when I was 17, for about a year from 17 to 18 years old, I was stupid. I was young. I thought I knew everything. I, I thought I was smart. I was just walking in lust of my flesh, if I'm honest with you. Just going to take a sip of my coffee here. But I was 17, young, dumb, thought I knew what love was, didn't know it all. But I got myself into a relationship 
with my girlfriend. It involved a lot of immor uh, immorality. Um, I wanted to act in certain ways like I was married, um, even though I knew that I wasn't married. Um, I was just following the lusts of my flesh, and so was she. And it really was a mess, and my heart became broken, her heart became broken, and by the mercy of God, he kept me safe during that relationship. He had mercy on me. Um, a lot of bad things could have come from that stupid relationship that I allowed myself to get into. And at the age of 18, I got out of that relationship and I was a broken mess. I knew that I had been sinning against God. I knew that I was not following God's plan for my life, but God used my pain to bring me to a place where I, I humbly said, God, I no longer want to pursue a relationship with a girl in my own way. I want to wait upon you, God, believing that you know what's best for me, believing that you will lead me to a beautiful woman that loves Jesus Christ and that will love me and that I can marry and spend the rest of my life with. That was my desire. But God had some uh, things he had to teach me as a young man. And so for the next year of my life, when I was 18 years old till I was 19, God started teaching me a lot of hard lessons. He started teaching me to trust him, to love him, to keep him as my first love, to keep myself pure, and to walk in humility. He had to teach me humility, to swallow my pride. And he used many different circumstances in that year to teach me that. But my heart's desire remained that I wanted to find someone that I could marry. And it would be a woman who loved God. That was a, that was a prerequisite. That was an absolute must that she needed to love God more than she would love me. And when I was 19 years old, I met my wife through a mutual friend of ours um, at our church or at my church rather, who also knew my wife at the time. And she kind of played matchmaker and I could tell she was kind of doing this. And at the time, I'm like, you know what? Why not? And so I met Cindy, who is now my wife when we were 19. And when I saw her, I knew I wanted to marry her. She was she was tiny, beautiful, cute, sweet. I loved her hair. I loved her eyes, everything. I just I was very attracted to her. And I and I could just tell as I got to get to know her over the next weeks and months that she was sincere. She loved the Lord. She wanted exactly what I I wanted. She was praying. Actually, I found out that she was actually praying the same um, during the same time that I was praying for a spouse to marry. She was praying for the same thing. Um, no joke there. It's for real. And when, when we found that out of each other, we knew that there was one confirmation that God literally brought our paths together. And just be encouraged by that. Maybe you're a single man and you're on that pursuit. Maybe you're you know, wanting to find someone to marry. Uh, don't just settle, gentlemen. Don't just settle because of your lust. Don't just settle because, you know, someone, you know, you think she's cute. You think she's pretty. You know, you're attracted to her physically. Um, you need to wait upon God. And if you trust God and the Bible says, commit your ways to God and trust also in him and he'll bring it to pass. Amen. It's true. I've lived it. I've experienced that. And so if you're a single man out there and you're and you're desiring a relationship, um, leave it with God. And if you seek God right now and get your life right with God right now, in the right time and in the right way, God's going to bring you 
the right woman to marry, to call your wife, in, in, to, to become your wife one day. But you need to wait upon him. You can't rush God. You can't rush the process. He knows what he's doing and he knows what's best for you, gentlemen. So wait on God and, and seek him and he'll bring it to pass. But that's what the Lord did for me. And on December 7th, uh, 2002, I had the honor and the privilege of putting that wedding ring on my wife, on my Cindy, my, my wife, Cindy. And we became married. We became one uh, family on, on that day. And I remember how special it was. I remember, you know, she, when she was three years old, her father walked out on her and, and she had no relationship with her dad. And uh, what an honor it was that my father was able to uh, walk her down the aisle and how special that was uh, because today she looks at my dad as her very own dad and my dad looks at her like his very own daughter. And uh, so what a special day that was, December 7th, 2002. And again, it's 18 years ago that we've been married. But listen, I had to wait. I had to let God's will be done and not my will be done. But listen to me, gentlemen. On that day, when I put that ring on her finger, and when she put my ring on my finger, in that moment, before God and before people, before the minister, who was also my dad and my other pastor, they did it at the same time, which is cool. But before God and before people, my wife and I, according to scripture, we became one. Even though we were two people, even though she was her own individual woman and I was my own individual man. Sorry about that background noise. I think someone upstairs just flushed the toilet. <laughs> you might hear that toilet flush and I apologize. But in that moment, gentlemen, the two of us, my wife Cindy and me, we became one person. But listen to what the Bible says in Genesis chapter 2, verse 21 to 24. This is speaking of Adam and Eve at the very beginning of time. The Lord God caused the man, Adam, to fall into a deep sleep. And while the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. And then the Lord God made a woman from the rib and he brought her to the man and he says, at last, the man said, Adam's like, yes, finally, a woman. He says, this one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. And then Genesis 2, 24 says this. This explains why a man leaves his father and his mother and is joined to his wife and the two become one. And that's exactly what happened to me on my wedding day, December 7th, 2002. I became one with my wife. I was no longer living for just myself. And she was no longer living for herself. Now, what mattered to me matters to her. What matters to her matters to me. You see, so many people in, in this life, in this crazy world we live in, they're, they're, they are so focused on a day when it comes to marriage they're focused on what they're they're focused on the wedding day right you see these these television shows of of these girls going with their their friends to these wedding these wedding dress stores you know like i, I forget the name of them like they're buying their wedding dress and they're all excited about getting their wedding dress for their big wedding day Right? They're excited about the ceremony. They're excited about, again, the, the dress that they're going to wear. They're excited. They spend thousands of dollars on this wedding dress they're going to wear once, hopefully. 
They're excited about the ceremony. They're excited about the reception. They're excited about the wedding song playlist. They're excited about the flowers and the food and all the people, the friends and the family and having a cute little ring bearer. And of course, they're excited about the wedding nights. Everyone talks about the wedding night. Oh, going to be such an, a wonderful 24 hours. They're so focused on one day, the wedding day and the wedding night, instead of being focused on the wedding covenant. The wedding promise, the promise of what marriage is, that it's actually for life. It's, it's meant to be for life. It's more than just a day of fun and celebration and food and fancy dresses and, and people gathering together. It's so much more than just a single day. It's a lifetime commitment as one. This is what the Bible teaches. That's what marriage is. Now, statistics say that approximately, which is crazy, 50% of marriages will end in divorce. And apparently, from what I understand, that also includes what quote-unquote Christian marriages. But marriages, so many people, they're so, it's just such a feely, emotionally, you know, driven day that there's no root, there's no substance, there's no commitment anymore. But marriage is when two become one. So many people, they'll stand at the altar and they'll give what they call their vows. I promise to love you forever in sickness and in health. And then the big one, till death do us part. And really in so many unfortunate circumstances, these are just empty words. They're not vows. They're not promises. People just say them because they just say them. They see it on TV. They see it in a movie. They read it in the book or they read off the piece of paper that the, that the minister gives them to read. But they're just empty words. When really God's plan is that one man and one woman become one person in marriage. Amen. Now listen, growing up in school, I hated math. First of all, I was terrible at it, and it just, I can never get interested in math. But listen, I'm going to tell you an equation in math, okay? I'm going to wow you with my math skills. In math, 1 plus 1 equals 2. It doesn't equal 11. It equals 2. 1 plus 1. But in marriage, listen, gentlemen, in marriage, 1 plus 1 equals 1. Not 2. 1. I hated math, but listen, I love marriage. Albert Einstein, man, he can take math and I will take marriage. But one man plus one woman in marriage, according to the biblical ways that God has created marriage, it we become one. We're no longer two people. Although we still have our individuality, we are now one in marriage. Genesis 2.24, a man leaves his father and his mother and is joined to his wife and the two become one. Amen. So marriage is, listen, for one man to leave his parents' house. If you are a 25, 28, 30-year-old man and you're living at home, my encouragement to you is start to pray that God would bring someone into your life to marry so you can leave your parents' house. Pack up your bags, walk upstairs from your basement apartment and leave your parents' house. A man is to leave his parents' house and put on his what we'll call big boy pants. 
A man is to become responsible in his life. Get a job. Get some work responsibility. Make a paycheck and marry one woman with the intention of staying married for the rest of your life. Literally, until death will do you part. That's what marriage is for men. Marriage is not for boys, gentlemen. There's a lot of grown boys with hairy chests and large beards and maybe some muscles, but they're not men. They're boys. They're just following the lust of their flesh. All they want is sex. All they want is physical pleasure of their lust. That is not a man. That is a boy. That is a boy. Marriage is not for boys. Marriage is not for wimps. Marriage is for real men. Amen? Because marriage, listen, is hard work. Marriage involves a lot of hard work. Marriage requires a lot of sacrifice. Marriage requires commitment that you are in it until you die. You are in it until you die. That's what your marriage means to you. Your marriage requires humility. When you mess up, when you fail, and you will fail, and you will sin, and you will make mistakes within your marriage, you need to humbly, before God and before your wife, get it right. It requires a lot of things that boys can't do. These aren't qualities of boys. These are qualities for men, godly men, where marriage really does matter to them because they know it matters to God. So marriage, again, is when one man and one woman become one couple before God. They become one in marriage before God. Marriage is not for three or four different people, what's called polygamy. Marriage is for one man and one woman. Marriage is not for one man and one man. Marriage is not for a woman and a woman. Marriage is not a human and an animal. And no, marriage is not for one man and his computer. That's right. A man can't marry his computer. But I've learned in 2017, a man named Chris Sevier claims that he married his computer in New Mexico. And he filed a federal lawsuit in the Northern District of Alabama on August 31st, 2017, demanding that the state either recognize the alleged marriage to what he calls an object with female-like features. This dude claims that he married his computer. Marriage is not a man to marry his hologram. That's right. I said hologram. In, two, in November of 2018, 35-year-old Ahiko Kondo married his hologram. How crazy is that? In his November, quote, wedding to his cyber celebrity Hatsune Miku, which is not legally recognized, provoked mixed reactions in Japan and abroad across the world. Some people were dumbfounded by this man's choice of marrying a three-dimensional laser image over a human person. Other people congratulated this man saying, society pressures you to follow a certain formula for love, but it might not make you happy. And this guy, he says, I want people to be able to figure out what works for them. That's not marriage. That's insanity. Marriage also is not for a woman to marry a wall. In 1979, Aija Rita Berlinger Mauer married the Berlin Wall. 
and took on its name in 1979. This is believed to be the first public case of objectum sexuality. For their wedding, she hired an animator to say the wall's vows. How crazy this is. None of this is marriage. I have one more for you. You ready, gentlemen? Marriage is not for a woman and her Ferris wheel. That's right. Ferris wheel. <laughs> Linda Ducharme met her, quote, husband at a carnival in 1982. She dated Bruce for 30 years. Again, speaking of a Ferris wheel, she dated Bruce, Bruce the Ferris wheel, for 30 years before promising to love, honor, and obey the 21-meter-tall contraption in 2012. Ducharme has certainly proven her devotion to Bruce, supporting him, quote, in sickness and in health. Bruce sustained severe damage during a 1986 storm, which forced his retirement from the carnival. And Linda claimed Bruce's remains as she spent almost 100000 bucks repairing the love of her life. Ducharme says that her relationship with the Ferris wheel is really no different than any other married couple. They spend time together and even share candlelit dinners. Wow, how messed up is this? How literally messed up has the world gotten to think that marriage can be anything like we just read? When God says in the Bible that marriage is for one man and one woman to become one, the two should become one. That is how God made it. That is the biblical, godly way that marriage has been created. So gentlemen, you are if you are a married man listening, you are one with your wife. She is one with you. Although you have your individuality, you are one together. So this means that you gentlemen have one life with your wife. Did you hear that? You have one life with your wife. There's no double life going on. You don't have another wife in another country. You don't have other children by another woman that you're secretly raising. I know this sounds secret, but it literally happens. This type of thing is happening even with Christian men. There's no some secret affair. There's no secret life. You have one life, and that is with one woman, your wife. Because you are one with her. Amen? This means that you have one name. Oftentimes, most times, especially within Christian marriages, the woman will take on the last name of her husband, showing that now she becomes one with her husband. So you have one life. You have one name together as one. You have one home. Right? You don't have individual homes. You don't have your apartment you know, closer to your workplace and you stay there during the week because it's you know, half an hour closer than your house. No, you, you st- you're looking for trouble if you have your own apartment, if you have your own house. Man, you and your, your wife have one home together. You share one place, one home together where you can raise your family, where you can live your life together as one. You have one bank account. There's no hidden bank accounts. You don't have your your own money. The money you make 
is your money and your wife's money. It is your money together. The money she makes is your money together. When I get my paycheck, I hand it over to my wife and she loves and she's great at it. She budgets our money and I trust her with our money. I don't look at it as my money and I can, you know, shuffle out what I want to give to her. No, I'd say, honey, this is ours. I've never considered that. Ever since we've been married, it's been our money together. If you have a separate bank account, you know, with aside from your wife's bank account, I highly encourage you to stop that. Make your money together, your own money. It's yours together and budget it together. Don't have this mentality where it's like, well, I'm the breadwinner. I have more money coming in with my job than she has. Therefore, you know, I'm going to make sure I, sp- I can spend more than she. That's just ridiculous. Again, you're looking for trouble. You have one bank account. It's your money together. Listen, as married couples, we have one faith. A wife, a wife can't be believing one thing. You know, she believes in this God while you're trying to believe in the one true God. You're serving Jesus while she's serving, you know, some golden calf up on a mountain, singing songs, you know, and doing dances. You got to have one faith in one God. Your faith in Christ has to be the same, right? The Bible says you can't be unequally yoked. Don't get married. Don't marry someone who's, who believes something different. You got to have one faith in one God. And then gentlemen, you got to go to one church with your wife. You may not like everything about your church, but it doesn't mean you go to your own church while your wife goes to the other church. You want to make sure you're going to the same church to worship together with your wife at the same corporate body, the same church. Yes, we are the church. It's only a building, but you don't go to separate buildings. You go to one church, one fellowship together to worship with your wife, to raise your kids together in one church. You have the same goals as your wife. You have the same plans and desires and dreams as your wife. You work together as one in doing life. You communicate together as one couple. You spend time together as one. Gentlemen, don't put more time towards hanging with your buddies. You know, going out and shooting pool and going to the movies and, you know, going going to, you know, get some drinks with the guys. You need to make spending time with your wife because you're one with her. It doesn't mean you can't have some fun time with your with your buddies. You know, you and your wife can talk about that and make sure that you have proper time to do some things, whether it's hobbies or spend time on, like me, I like recording podcasts, right? My wife gives me, t- she allows me to have proper time. You just, she works with me. We got to communicate with our wives. Make sure that you're doing life together, making choices together. Make sure that you're wanting your wife to be able to pursue her desires and her dreams and and her likes and her hobbies and make sure you know you're treating your wife in such a way where she's going to want you to make sure that you have time to do things that you want to do because you're one you're together but don't just do your own separate things you're one with your wife and as godly men we want to pursue putting our wives needs before our own this is not easy because we're selfish We're prideful. We want to please ourselves primarily. But like Jesus, he humbled himself and made himself of no reputation, even to the point of death on the cross. He is our example, gentlemen. And so put the the needs of your wife first before your own. 
Make sure you're doing that. I'm learning that after 18 years of the importance of that. God has called us to be one with our wives. Because the truth is, what you do, gentlemen, will affect your wife either positively or negatively. The choices you're making, the things you're doing, the places you're going, the things you're watching, activities that you are involved in, discussions you have with your boys when your wife's not there. Everything, everything you do because you are one with your wife will affect your wife either negatively or positively. Things that you say will affect your wife positively or negatively. Everything about you as a man, as the man of your wife, as an individual man will affect your wife either positively or negatively because you are one with your wife. So if your wife comes to you and expresses to you some things she needs to see differently from you, don't let your pride get up. Don't put your, you know, get all your defense mode up. Just humbly listen to her and prayerfully say, God, help me. I want to give my wife what she needs me to give her. This is super important because we are one together. When your wife is hurting, you should hurt also. When your wife talks to you about things she needs from you, listen to her and change the areas you need to change because we are one. God loves marriage. God created marriage. And if you are a married man, you are a blessed man. The Bible says that he who finds a wife, it's in Proverbs 18, I believe it's 22. He who finds a wife finds a good thing or a treasure, another version says, finds a treasure and receives favor from God. If you are married, if you have a wife, she's your treasure and you are one with her. And God has shown you favor. You don't deserve a wife. I don't deserve a wife. But God in his mercy and grace has blessed you with favor, with a marriage, with a wife that you are one with. So remember that, gentlemen, as you go about your week, as we continue on throughout this year, intentionally think of ways to put your wife before yourself. Think about your wife. Think about your marriage. Think about what's important to your wife, the needs that she has. Don't, don't worry about expressing to her your needs. She, she, you, if you give her what she needs, gentlemen, she is going to naturally give you what you need. And you can have that open communication, which is so important together. Keep your marriage focused on Jesus Christ. And remember that God delights in marriage. He created you in, mar- in your marriage to be one. The two shall become one. So stay strong in your marriage. Stay strong in your faith in God for your marriage. And keep fighting for your marriage. Don't let the enemy get a foothold into your marriage. Stand firm. Fight for your wife. Fight for your marriage. And keep your relationship with your wife as a high priority in your life. I hope that you were blessed by this episode and I look forward to the next few episodes talking more about different topics in marriage. If you have been encouraged by this, gentlemen, I would love, I would love so much for you to leave 
a review on iTunes, a rating on iTunes or whatever uh, podcast platform uh, you listen to this on. I would love to read your comments. I would love to hear from you. Uh, you can email me standing on the front line at gmail.com. You can follow uh, my this ministry, this podcast ministry um, on Twitter and on Facebook um, at the frontline man. Um, just Google that, the Frontline Podcast for Christian Men. You'll find it on these different uh, social media platforms. But I would just love for you to spread the word of this podcast if it's been a blessing for you. So take care, stand strong, stand firm, and keep fighting on the front line. God bless. Thanks for joining me on the front line. Contact me at standingonthefrontline at gmail.com. Standingonthefrontline at gmail.com. Share this podcast with your family and friends. Look forward to seeing you next time. Until then, keep standing, keep fighting for the glory of God.